fellow time travelers. <laughs> you thought we were out, but we are back in. We traveled too far to the future and missed an episode. Oh, no. But fear no more. We are back at our regularly scheduled schedule, which is Schedule, Not super schedule-less. regularly scheduled. Vaguely every other week. <laughs> but we are here to talk about Bruce Willis starring in Glass, plus Bruce Willis starring in The Lego Movie 2. Spoiler? We're going to spoil them both. Who cares? Dude, 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 dude is right. Veronica, welcome back. You were on a vacation. I was on vacation. That's my way of subtly implying it's your fault we missed an episode. Oh my God. It's so <laughs> not because I was available before. But sure, um, I will take the blame. It's true. We we did miss an episode, but but don't worry. We watched the content that we were going to watch for that. We watched Glass and Lord knows we were not going to watch that for no reason. So, so we will be discussing it this week. And I also... I also watched the retro movie we were going to do in that episode, so I will be doing a brief rundown of 1998's Varsity Blues. 1999's. Oh, right. We're in 2009. We time travel, John. Guys, this time travel is confusing. Is it more confusing than time travel in the Lego movie, too? I'm so glad we script these beforehand. They're so fluid. The segues are so good. I know. Man, I had them as notes on my hand. The year 2019, five years after 2014, the world is no longer shocked by the ability of Lord and Miller to write and direct movies based on properties that should not have movies based on them. After the surprise thrill of the Lego movie and the surprise, yeah, it was okay, of the Lego Batman movie and the surprise, yeah, we're not going to see that, of the Ninjago movie. (laughs) They're back with the Lego Movie 2, the second piece. All the voice actors have returned. We got Chris Pratt. Uh, we've got uh, Elizabeth Banks. We've got all the rest. Uh, we've also got the additions of Tiffany Hannish and more. We've got more songs as well. Uh, Lord and Miller writing again, this time uh, stepping down from the director. Um, Mike Mitchell. Uh, Mike not, Mitchell is not in to there. be confused with Doughboy's Mike Mitchell. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, five years later, this movie, while starting immediately after the first one, uh, jumps forward five years. A bit of the plot for those of you who didn't see the first Lego movie: that was a movie about uh, Bricksburg, a town made of bricks. And Emmett, the lovely man voiced by Chris Pratt, the everyman, so it were, um, who's trying to save the world from president business. The end of the Lego movie, we reveal that this is all actually a bit of a metaphor. And these, this Lego animation is actually the real life imagination something or other something. Uh, uh, basically, uh, basically a metaphor for the... Um, 
relationship between a young boy and his father, played by Will Ferrell in live action, also the voice of the villain. Um, uh, the father does not want the little boy to play with his Legos and wants to be strict about them and only go build the sets as the instructions say. And the little boy wants to be free. So, big so twist at the end of the first movie. Everyone was surprised with how funny and charming and genuinely a little touching that hour and a half toy commercial was. <laughs> Could Lord and Miller actually do it again? No one's going to be surprised by the live action stuff this time. Can they make a movie as good? Well, this time they tr- decided not really to do that much of the twist, knowing perhaps wisely that uh, no one would be fooled again. And while they, what if the humans were actually operated by Legos? Oh God, I wish, I wish they pulled back again this time, and there were giant like mobile <laughs> toys that were <laughs> manipulating the humans. But no, the plot of this one very complicated. Is in the real world, the now five year older Finn is getting angsty and teenagey. He has his- a name. He does. His name is Finn. Oh, wow. I did not. Um, I believe his I sister's that. name is Bianca. That I knew because yeah. it's on the door. <laughs> um, in the real world, his younger sister, Bianca, um, uh, they are fighting. And so in the world of Bricksburg, um, the more male oriented uh, toys that uh, Legos that Emmett has are fighting with the more female oriented toys that Bianca has. Will... Will they find a, a, a happy medium? Um, will this familial strife be ended? Will Will Ferrell actually appear on screen or just make a vocal cameo? The answer to the last one is easy. Just a vocal cameo. <laughs> Let's get to the other questions. Uh, I'll start with this, Veronica. Uh, did you see the first Lego movie? Yeah, I believe we saw it together. Okay. we also <laughs> see, we, I think we also saw the Batman one together, right? Too, right? Uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah, I... Uh, I um, I loved the first Lego movie. I'm a huge fan of Lord and Miller. Um, uh, I was one person who expected, um, I'm wrong about a lot of things, but this is one where I, I expected them to be able to successfully make that movie. And they did. It was great. Did you, uh, were you also a fan of the first one? I really liked it until they, the humans were You're one of those? I'm one of those. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we did not see this one together. We did not. So no. I guess, uh, uh, should we do our surprise letter grades? Uh, sure. Well, sorry, yeah. what was your grade of the first one? Uh, a B. All right, I'd, I'd give it a solid A. Whoa, a solid A. Okay. Um, no, I thought... no stripes for you. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think I, I don't think I give, I'll give anything A pluses. I think A, uh, I think it was genuinely pretty fantastic. Um, uh, so... This one, let's do it. Three, two, one, B. B minus. Oh, like so always, I, we're one away. But I downgraded by a half. You downgraded by a full grade. I did. I did. That sounds more negative. I, I, because I'll start by saying this. I think this is probably the best sequel to the Lego movie you could have made. Mm. Um. So basically, the original one worked on so many levels. First, you had the the like uh, surface level story of this silly adventure is a parody of adventure movies, parody of uh, chosen one quests, uh, very silly and goofy. Then you had the family stuff, the live action uh, storyline. Then you also had it as kind of a metaphor for like creative expression. 
And then all, and then it was all just kind of wrapped up in, and finding the perfect ways that like that Legos themselves were like the only way to tell that story, which is why I think it was so effective is that like, Oh, they found the one story that you could tell about like, that's genuinely about what Legos mean to people. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, it would be very hard to do that. So they really dropped kind of the artistic metaphor stuff and, and the fact that they're Legos doesn't really have any real meaning other than that they're toys. Um, so this one really is primarily just the, the, the surface level story and the uh, sibling squabble. They hint at some stuff about um, uh, gender toys and about, uh, you know, and there's also a bunch of meta st- jokes about Chris Pratt's right. um, acting would... roles, but I, I, I don't think that stuff works much. I think partly because um, they really can't say anything about um, like the female gender toys. Like they, they don't have anything. They can't comment on toys that are for boys and for girls because this is also a commercial for all these toys. So they really can't. <laughs> well, I thought they I mean, I guess maybe they didn't talk about toys for girls. But um, yeah, for the longest time in this movie, mm-hmm. I was like, is this really a movie that's going to be in like 2019 going into like the stereotype of like girls are playing things wrong and then it kind of like pays off because like it is mm-hmm. basically anti that it's very much like you know they're more than again like i guess similarly to the first movie there's like more than one way to play with yeah. legos which that part i really really liked but yeah i agree with you like the uniqueness of the first one was in sort of the way that they employed Legos to sort of keep the plot along the fact that he was a builder and all that stuff. And here, yeah, there was not a whole lot of that really. I, yeah, at one point I was like, do I wish that they just like made a similar movie again? Cause they yeah. did like try to make a different movie and that's somewhat admirable. But yeah, it like it kind of lost the unique voice it had. And I feel like the jokes didn't hit as well as they did. This before. could very easily have been a, a, like if they hadn't made Toy Story 2, you could have taken this plot and made a Toy Story 2 mm-hmm. and made it because it really is. And I thought the most effective uh, um, plot was this because you the one thing is, you know, from moment one that this is actually about a little boy and uh as little anymore. He's a teenager, mom. <laughs> and I like that they brought back the same actor. Yeah. Um, uh, but this is about a uh, uh, an older brother who doesn't want to play with his younger sister. Right. And I thought that stuff worked really well. Um, one of the characters who represents the the girls' toys has a has a little speech where it's all like, you know, I just wanted we just wanted to play with you. We we look up to you. And all that stuff about just younger siblings and older siblings relationships. I thought that worked really well. Um, I I thought it was I th- I thought it was uh, the comedy all worked really well. You thought the jokes weren't there as much as the last time. Uh, I mean, I I don't think I laughed as much for sure. Uh, and no one in the audience really laughed except for people loved it when Maya Rudolph showed up. I really? Guess. Spoiler alert! People were like, "Yes." What? Is, what? Is- <laughs> What and an, an, you know what? Not not a bad reaction. A totally <laughs> valid reaction. Love my Rudolph. I 
prefer her to Will Ferrell. So. Uh, she plays the mother this time. <laughs> yeah, the live action the, mother appears. The SNL alum who had time yeah. on their schedule. to. But uh, so can we talk about, I guess, the live action stuff as it sort of dictates and relates to the plot of the non live action yeah. stuff? Because I feel like with the first movie, because the twist comes at the end, you kind of take it sort of as like that universe as a whole Hmm. and uh you kind of and with this one because you kind of knew that the moves were being dictated by the external characters it felt like the characters that we were watching the lego characters had like way less agency and so (laughs) no i i genuinely i was like i think i might have like to the detriment of the movie like kept thinking like okay so what is like what are they what is the outside world equivalent that led to this happening in the lego world or like what is this representing and i feel like it like the outside world really distracted from the story of the legos because of the um the kind of twist nature of the first one which again i thought worked great this it does not have the the universe of the lego movie does not have the simplicity of a toys toy story movie where it's just yeah, the toys are they they hide when humans are there and then they're alive. Um, I took when I saw the first one, I kind of assumed. Let's be fair, you don't need to think about this that much. No, you I don't really think don't. you should. I feel like I I shouldn't have thought of that, but because You're like they it kept was like, yeah. it, to me it was like it wasn't. I guess distracting is not the world, but it does like because those universes at least are supposed to affect each other mm-hmm. at least in a one-way direction of the humans affecting the toys you kind of i couldn't help but think about okay so what either what is this thing that they're encountering in the lego world in the outside world mm-hmm. so like when they were traveling through the door to the other like the sister planet i was like okay so what are these things like what is really happening there uh which is, I mean, I don't know that that is like super necessary for me to think about. I could have just gone along with it, but I couldn't. In the first movie, um, I just assumed, you know, that this is all in the imagination of uh, the little boy. I mean, but there are there are scenes in the first one where the toys move on their own accord. Right. So it's like, it seems to be, if you had to put it into words, the rules of this universe is that all these characters are imbued with the personalities that the children give them with, through play. So you don't even think they're actually physically playing with the toys? Well, that's, I mean, so this one has a lot of scenes where the the toys are moving around in the live-action world. Right. They have, like, so, but they also have scenes where the toys are supposedly being moved by the kids. Like, the whole, like, climax at the end of the movie I guess, should we actually say, like, what the movie is? So the idea is, is that um, uh, in the in the intervening five years, uh, the brick world that we knew has sort of gone by the wayside and became a Mad Max universe. Uh, and Emmett is the only optimist who still wants the sort of like the fenced off private home with a double decker uh rocking chair yeah. not rocking chair uh rocking bench <laughs> um and then invaders from the outside world which is the sister uh come and they 
kidnap uh, uh, Lucy. They kidnap Spaceman, <laughs> who's my favorite character. Spaceman Benny, uh, uh, Unikitty, Metalbeard. Come on, you got to know all these characters. I don't, I don't know all their names. And <laughs> the Batman. supporting cast. Of- and Batman. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so once that spaceship takes them away through this my- mystical door. The door, and- the, what is it called? The door, uh, the doorscape. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's true. I I like that. That is part that I really like that they had like all these mangled names they, for everything. They keep all the the dumb pun names like um uh uh the queen of the the Sitar planet um is uh queen whatever wa- Wanabi Wanabi and like uh <laughs> yeah and like the so it's like the Sistar planet the Sistar planet the Sistar system i think yeah and like uh, yeah so they have all these clever so Emmett travels to the Sistar planet which is the sister's bedroom and to rescue his friends and, and like he encounters um uh this guy who looks remarkably like himself but with funkier hair and facial <laughs> hair uh who rescues him and they to together- be fair though these are legos most of them look remarkably the same that's true <laughs> but these are also voiced by the same actor yes chris platt plays both characters for there, reasons that will become clear there are a lot of jurassic park references like i would like any movie that jurassic even, world any movie that even subtly shits on jurassic world gets extra points from me does it actually shit on it i think it just mentions that no, he was also he's a there raptor trainer uh uh, I, I, I think the Jurassic World movies are so bad that it's impossible to discuss them without shitting on them. Because mm. to even describe plot points from those movies is to describe something so stupid that you're shitting on them. That's a valid point. Uh, <laughs> so uh, they together are trying to go to the Sistar planet, uh, sabotage the wedding of... What is her name again? It's a um, complicated name. What it, so she is a shapeshifter of just uh, some uh, some Lego blocks She's that move She's a Cheshire. That looks super cool. Heart. I love yeah. the way it looks. Yeah, that was really, I really um, like that character. But yeah, it's a, a queen. Um, it's basically whatever I want to be. Yeah. But it's her, uh, they pronounce it queen whatever wannabe. Whatever wannabe. I, I like, uh, yeah, I get that name. I bet there's a blooper reel of every character struggling over the pronunciation (laughs) of that name. Um, And uh, so, yeah, so she is plotting to marry Batman. uh, And uh, so the reason why she got all of his friends is so there are witnesses to the wedding. Uh, And as they try uh, Emmett and his Jurassic World pal, whose name escapes me, I believe it's Rex Danger Vest. <laughs> uh, yeah. So as they plot to sabotage the wedding, Lucy realizes who's the only one who's like not has not been brainwashed, quote unquote, by the super catchy and pink world of whatever I want to be. Uh, yeah. So she realizes that um, actually what she's uh what the queen is trying to do is to unite the two worlds so that they can all play together which is what the sister wants in the outside world uh and uh and she tries to stop Emmett and Rex from sabotaging the wedding but it's too late Emmett kind of believes Rex that this is everyone has been brainwashed and he destroys the world uh but he then finds out that 
Rex is actually him from the future because when Emmett was originally traveling to save <laughs> Lucy from the Sistar planet, he actually fell under uh, a uh, on what was a dryer. Uh, he, something. He fell under the dryer. He fell under the dryer, but it had a clever name to it. Yes, he turned uh, bitter and cruel due to the loneliness. Basically, what seemed like it was a story about um, uh, uh, male archetypes and female archetypes at war is actually a story about um, adolescence turning uh, Finn against uh, fun and play and turning against the things and making him unable to play with his sister. Right. Um, and so Rex Danger Vest, in, as a character who is both a mockery of Chris Pratt's most popular action movie characters, uh, is also uh, becomes kind of a personification of dumb, angsty teen bullshit. Right. And so I guess to get back to my original point, that's where like, my confusion over how the like the figurines are worked is like I think at so did you were you spending the whole time wondering if the the boy and girl were holding the toys and arguing well I mean it wasn't to the extent of like are they holding the toys but it was more like okay is this play are they playing with the toys right now or is like because I didn't even consider what you suggested of them, like, think it's like representing their sort of ids without them actually playing with the toys. So it was more like, okay, so if they're playing with the toys, what is happening right now? But then there are scenes such as Under the Dry R, where the, the toys seem to operate themselves without humans in a clear manner. And then I was like, oh, so what? What? <laughs> Like, so how does that, I don't know. Well, I think, uh, uh, I think it doesn't matter. And I, I think it definitely doesn't matter. It's there. It, the logic is, is hazy. It's more a metaphor than is real. The question is, I guess you're saying that the fact that it is a, just kind of a metaphor and that there aren't set rules while it wasn't distracting to you in the first one, this time it actually did become distracting. Well, it wasn't distracting to me in the first one because it didn't exist twist. in yeah. the first one. And in this one, that's all there is. And it makes the like animated plot less mm. consequential. Yeah, I think I, I can see that. I, I think they were smart to have the, the we see a lot. What I, I don't know the exact ratio of screen time. But what feels like more live action a stuff lot more. earlier in this movie. I mean, we had flashes of live action in the first one, but they're very quick. Um, this time we see it more because I think you are supposed to uh, this time be. They know you're going to be wondering what the metaphor is so that they actually make it this kind of like, oh, what, is, what are the boy? What are the brother and sister fighting about? What is this deal? And then it's a twist that, oh, the brother's just kind of being a dick the way older siblings are because they don't want to do little kids stuff anymore. Right. I guess it's just, I don't know. It's way less interesting to me than just have a silly Lego movie where they're Legos. Do you feel well, like... What did you think of the Batman movie? Because that's a movie that had no live action I, element. Yeah, I think I liked it probably as much as the Lego movie, the original one. Maybe like uh -huh. slightly less, but 
I think if the Lego movie was on its own without any of the human mm. elements, I think it would it would probably I mean, it would definitely be better in my opinion. But also, I don't think it loses anything by just being why I say I, that I actually disagree with because really? I think while they're while these movies are very very funny I mean they're uh, they're just tons of you know Lord and Miller fill the screen and the script with just so many jokes one after the other and a lot of them are very are very funny I think um, without the live action stuff that's when you start being like why am I watching a commercial for toys mm. because like with the Batman movie I enjoyed the Batman movie a lot not as much as uh, certainly the first one and i i mean it's been a few years i i can't I, I feel my feelings about these two were close but i think i might like this one a little more because of that added element mm. i played so um so the the uh, lego video games have been inc- popular for years mm. for anyone who hasn't played them it's kind of similar to this where they just it's a hodgepodge of characters and basically they started by just doing lego retellings of popular movies lego batman lego star wars stuff like that and the animation is way less interesting for a number of reasons. But <laughs> I, um, my old roommate and I downloaded one of them because they were supposed to be great co-op games. And we were always looking for good games to play together. And we downloaded uh, one of the Marvel ones. And we're just switching back and forth between characters. And the entire time I'm playing it, I, I just kept going, well, why the fuck am I playing as Legos? <laughs> This has uh-huh. nothing to do with Legos. Why am I not just playing a Marvel video game with these vi- with these superheroes? Why do they have to be Legos? Like what people love those games, and I think when they're at their best, they use the um, the Lego abstraction as a way to have some more like first I'll, I'll lower the stakes, keep it light, um, and make some meta jokes about the 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 sometimes they are bordering on parodying the works that they're adapting, but mm. not really. Um, so with like Lego Batman watching, I was like, Oh, it's super fun to watch someone take a piss out of Batman. This character that has just, you know, dominated pop culture for, uh, uh, <laughs> since our, you know, since our grandparents were young. Right. Um, uh, but still, I think without that element, I, I can't help but go, uh, why Why does it have to also be a commercial? Why couldn't we just watch someone make a Batman parody? Mm. And so I think if you just did the Emmett and Lucy story, I think I would find, I don't think the Lego movie, the first one would have been as successful, which I, I want to ask you a question, which a ton of people are asking this. So we see one of the interesting things about this amazing project we've embarked on oh, yeah. of this podcast is that, well, first we've discovered the unsurprising part was that, a movie can be number one at the box office and be absolute fucking garbage. What? We've proven, that's been proven time and again. But movies can also be number one at the box office and be also be huge box office disappointments. And I mean, we know that, but, but this is a movie where all the, you know, we're now, uh, it opened last weekend. All the conversations are about how much of a box office disappointment it was despite being number one. It was, yeah, it lost about 50% of it. It's opening. It's 20 million, 20 million below expectations, about 20 million below, um, uh, uh, below the, the originals release. And I, I've read a bunch of articles about, uh, you know, with headlines, why Lego movie, uh, two, uh, failed. Uh, don't read those articles, those clickbait titles, you click on it. And then it's basically five paragraphs of a, uh, um, uh, a variety intern going, 
I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> um, <laughs> so you want to pose the same question to me? <laughs> well, basically, I mean, I'll tell you what the, what their uh, half-hearted guesses are. Uh, most of people are putting the finger, pointing the blame at the Ninjago movie. Oh, um, interesting. That but, would not be my theory. Well, both it being mediocre, but also Warner Brothers diluting the brand, and then mm. the other big, the other big uh, uh, theory is that this one was more heavily advertised to children. And that the adults who came out to the first one did not. Um, obviously, exceptions to the rule here. Neither of us <laughs> have children. Neither of us went with children. As far um, as we know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Is one of my friends going to reveal themselves to be a child? <laughs> um, <laughs> he went with a ghost child in the movie. Oh, well, I'm always followed by the uh, the ghost of the twin I, I killed in utero. Ooh. But um, <laughs> but why? Well, yeah, why were you so okay? Would you have seen this movie if we weren't seeing it for the podcast? Uh, yeah, most likely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I probably would too. I, I, yeah, I love Lord and Miller. I, the one I was least interested in too. They were fortunately fired from, so I didn't have to go see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so I, to be honest, I mean, and I mean, not to keep being a hater of the live action stuff. I feel like the. Maybe people who have seen the first one and like, because I don't know. I remember it being like a big thing that people were not that enamored with. You are now. See, it's funny. So I feel like if people had thought that it would be more of that, to be honest, I haven't really seen a lot of uh, trailers for the Lego 2. Do mm-hmm. they make any reference to the no. live action stuff? And- and you are there is a there is certainly a, a section of the audience that didn't like that, but I would say it's it's definitely in the minority. Mm. I think uh, the majority of audiences, certainly not all of them, but certainly a large amount of people are more in my camp of thinking that st- that part of the first movie actually elevated it. Mm. Okay, well, for my part, I I to be honest, when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is so bad. I really hated that twist. I, I think <laughs> I think those scenes with Will Ferrell in the first one are excellent. If, you, uh, if you and I'm I'm definitely going. I was on YouTube uh, right after seeing the movie because I was curious comparing them, and I was watching uh, those live action scenes. And the comments are all a bunch of people being like, "This is when the movie became amazing." Oh man, this I, is I when, have nothing in common. This is the with moment America. when Donald Trump became president. Oh God. Um, uh, yeah, I just. Um, yeah, I I guess like it is probably the dilution of the brand is definitely out there. Um, but yeah, just I for me, I guess I can't get over the fact that I, probably if I would not have seen it, it would would have been because like, oh, it's probably going to be more like live action Let's, metaphors. I mean, beyond the animation, that that metaphor is when the movie became not just a movie that just features Legos because Legos is footing part of the bill. But, but see, also a I, movie I, about Legos. I would argue against that. I feel like you you keep saying that, but I don't know that it's... I feel like Lego in these movies is more of a medium as opposed to a commercial. You know what I mean? That's right. So you are... I mean, well, this is... These are... While they're made to look like Lego stop motion... Right. They're not real Legos. I, I got get a question it. for you. Do they... Do you... Th- I don't. I I should have probably looked this up ahead of time. Do you think they also slowed down the aspect ratio? Or not the aspect ratio. They slowed down the. They, they slowed, slowed down. down the did they slow down the frame rate of this one? Uh, it seemed like they did. 
I don't know. It, it, I mean, you, by slow down, you mean they reduced the frame rate. Yeah, so the first one, so I believe, is... No, no, no. Actually, it looks... So the first one is, I believe, 12 frames per second, which is less than a typical computer-animated movie. Right, so it looks like it's It looks stop-motion. It looks a little... A little... Um, what's the word? Kind so of, it's jittery. It's jittery, sort of like... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... And they, weirdly, they did uh, the same thing in... Um, uh, for the characters in uh, uh, Spider-Man. So that's how you speed things up, though. So, like, if you have less frames per second, that means a second has less frames. Right, but I think that they weren't doing it to make things faster. They were doing it to make it look like it was stop motion. Right, right. They were trying to make it so that, like, you see every move, so it looks like as if it was, like, jittery. And I really noticed that in the first one and also in uh, Spider-Verse. I actually Spider looked for it in this one, and I saw it in a few Oh, you did? Because I, I remember not, see, not feeling like I saw it much in Batman. And then also in this movie, not feel. I mean, maybe you know, I'm getting older. Maybe my, maybe my, <laughs> maybe my eyes are worse. <laughs> um, it's been five years. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I guess to get back to my point, I never saw it as a Lego commercial. I just saw it as a movie where they happen to. Because to me, Legos are like it's sort of like a Kleenex for you know, and like a paper napkin kind of a thing where like, yes, I know that there's a Lego brand. That's what they want you to think, but, man. No, I mean, <laughs> but it is, it's just like, it is a toy. It So, uh, I mean, it is sort of like, just like a brick toy. It's mm. not like a specific brand of a thing. Um, so, yeah, just like, I never perceived it as a commercial. I just perceived it as like, oh, this is a different way mm. of doing animation. And that was enough for me. Well, we definitely proved in our uh, Wreck-It Ralph episode that, <laughs> that I'm I'm more easily put off by that kind of thing. Well, I guess like, I yeah, I guess I'm not, maybe it's not that, yeah, I guess like it doesn't really make me want to buy any of the products. It's just like, no. I, I'm sort of like, oh, this is you're, like. You're, a, a, you're a, a Playmobil lady. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I right. mean, as evidenced by my entire room. We are surrounded by, by Playmobil setups. Meanwhile, uh, yeah. I am entirely, um, oh, fuck. Oh, man. Again, do, do it, you want to do it again? No, what's the, metal, <laughs> what's the stupid metal thing that came with the little wrenches? My brother had them. Oh, fuck, yeah. I don't it's know what they're called. Erector set, motherfucker, there it is. <laughs> I, yeah, I, see, I always wanted Legos growing up, so you would think that I would be the most susceptible to that marketing, and yeah. I would, but... I don't know. Maybe I should get I, a Lego set. I had a few Lego sets as a kid, and I had um, I had a pirate ship, and I built it, and I was very, very quickly uninterested, and I was just I didn't like any toys that weren't weren't humanoid in some way. Oh, interesting. I only wanted characters. That's why I only wanted action figures. I had like one place that I had a fucking sick ass Batman Returns uh, Batcave, but other than <laughs> that, it was all uh, figures of like. See, I was if more you don't of have a puzzle face, person. I don't care. Oh, you were a puzzle person? I mean, that sort of so like... A, no, I think <laughs> in the sense of, like, having to assemble things and having... Oh. Like, I mean, I've had puzzles, but I really liked... So I had, like, the rector set things. Mm. Um, and, yeah, just, like, we... I think Legos were just expensive, so, like, we couldn't afford them. <laughs> um, well... But, yeah, I... I feel like I would be the type of kid to play Legos, but I, I mean, <laughs> I'm no longer a kid, so I don't play Legos. 
Uh, unless you are secretly the kid that we were talking about. You are three children in a... Am I being operated by John Lego? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, John, we, we've asked the question of why we think this movie did not capture America's hearts as much as we thought. But then again, it did capture them enough to become the box office champion. So why do you think America still went to it uh, more than they did for the reimagining of what women want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think kids definitely went to see it. I think they did. Um, I think adults probably didn't feel the need to go see it. And, you know, I, I think the first one did kind of feel like it had a period on the end. Even if even with that fun little button that True. they turned into the plot of this one. Um, and I don't know. I'd be curious to see what it does in later weekends. Because I think, you know, word of mouth. Everyone I saw it with really liked it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious. I, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I wasn't, I was very young when Toy Story 2 came out. I mean, we're going to get this thing in a few months when Toy Story 4 comes out, where every time a new Toy Story comes out, I'm I'm on record as saying, we don't need it. And then I, every time they prove, <laughs> well, we don't need anything except food, water, and shelter. But, <laughs> but like every time I'm like, yeah, they found a uh, they found a story to tell. Yeah, it's um, always so good. I'm so scared of this one for some reason. I like, I had still I had high a hopes carnival. for three. It's fun. <laughs> no, I I know it's just it's been so long and it ended so well. Like the third one did does really feel like an yeah. end. Like he gives away the toys. <laughs> I don't know what the. I don't know. They're at a carnival. Well, it'll, yeah. Well, I, I hope it's good. I, you know, I, I genuinely hope it's good. I just hope it is. I, I would say so. 2018 had a very bad streak of sequels to beloved animated movies that were, while not terrible, because I would never say that um, Incredibles 2 or Wreck It Ralph 2 were terrible, just both way below the mar high marks of their originators. I would say this didn't, while not as good as the original Lego movie, definitely did not continue that trend. And we haven't talked about the music. We should move on. Let's just say, guys, the music's really fun. Yeah. The There's songs some are very super funny fun. songs in it. Yeah. And they do get stuck in your head. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Before we move on to Glass, a movie which I know we both loved. Uh, they like spoilers we both loved it because it's a perfect great movie you can stop listening right now if you want us shitting on glass because it ain't gonna There's happen not a chance you know um uh, uh everything m night says to everyone in his life who listens is right all critics are stupid anyone who's ever questioned him is wrong and he shouldn't grow as a filmmaker in any way <laughs> glass is perfect all right, end of podcast. <laughs> Before we go to that, should I do my quick rundown on Varsity Blues? All right, can I have? I, I'll I'll do some uh, theme music for you. <laughs> do 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 do. Varsity Blues. Do 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 do. <laughs> have you have you ever seen it? So you you did not when we missed that episode. You had not already seen the movie. No. So and... you've never seen it. I've never seen it. I remember being super into Dawson's Creek, though, and feeling bad about having missed it, but I never rectified it, so I never saw it. Um, Varsity Blues is fascinating, because, and it's fascinating to watch now because there it is such a weird half-measure movie in that. So it is, uh, I don't want, we're not going to do a full segment on it. It is a football movie. James Vanderbeek plays the second-string quarterback, but he's really just like a sensitive guy. 
in a town that loves football. Whoa. Um, uh, the uh, star quarterback, the late uh, Paul Walker, is injured. And um, much to the chagrin of the evil football coach, James Vanderbeek becomes the new quarterback. But then, you know what? Despite his ideals, he kind of starts liking being a star. Um, Why to the chagrin of the, like, I presume John Boyd hates him, him for some reason. Oh, I, it's <laughs> well, okay. So that's a major issue is that this movie wants to have a villain. And it, here's the thing this movie wants to be an adaptation of the book Friday Night Lights. These are years before someone actually actually did adapt the book Friday Night Lights. Uh, Friday Night Lights, before it was a TV show, before it was a movie, was a nonfiction book about right. a real town. Um, Varsity Blues takes a lot of its plot points from that real story, including a, a star player getting injured and having to deal with um, suddenly losing basically their future. Um, it deals with uh, a town that is obsessed, the way that affects both the way the pressure gets the players, the way that it affects people who don't like football. Um, all of those things are in varsity blues, but it, and there are times when it wants to take them seriously. And there are also times when it wants to be American pie and boy, so, yeah. do those things weirdly not mesh. Cause this is a movie <laughs> no. that they had trailers that were like, cause this was MTV films. Right. Um, and this movie, uh, uh, MTV films, this was 99. This was the same year they had election coming out. Um, mm -hmm. they, uh, this movie was sold as both like, I don't want your life, uh, <laughs> that immortal line, uh, <laughs> sold as like a, a, like a football drama. And then also like on TRLs, like this is the story. They win every game and they party hard. Well, I, yeah, I, for some reason in my mind, uh, I always thought that it was more of like a teen rom-com kind of a thing. Thing, it is which it, it doesn't seem to be at no, all no it is a very weird movie because then the other thing is they want to do hey football's bad for this town and football's bad for these kids um and I, god I, I wish we had done a full episode because i'd love to do a long conversation about the changing ways football has been depicted in american culture <laughs> but um <laughs> but like they want to do that but then they also want to have the movie end with a football victory which thematically doesn't make any sense <laughs> So what they have to do is create this villain of this evil football coach. And so when the game's over, so they kick him out of the, off the team <laughs> during halftime. At John the Voight? Yeah, or, John Voight. Uh, and so like, I can just read my, I'll just go through. I take notes. With, so um, I hear my notes. Uh, first it says, Cross, he's just experimenting. That is in the first scene. Um, James Vanderbeek's younger brother uh, uh, his deal is that he doesn't like football and is obsessed with religions. And in every scene we see him, he is doing another religion. First time we see him, he is on a homemade cross. Is this like a running gag? This is a running gag. This is the first introduction <laughs> oh, of the boy. movie's weird kind of toothless satire. Um, I then wrote, how seriously is this movie taking this? I then wrote, satire is so blunt I wrote that when Paul Walker walks out of his front doorway and then poses in front of a giant sign of his own face. Um, oh, this is from Not Another Teen Movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, Not Another Teen Movie is like, but the Not Another Teen Movie isn't that, like, the parody isn't that different from some of these scenes. And a minute after I wrote Satire is So Blunt, John Voight at a homecoming rally literally does a Nazi salute. What? <laughs> 
He does it multiple times in case you didn't get it. It's in his contract. He has, oh, yeah, he to, has do to do it. <laughs> um, but no, he's like, he does like, oh, quiet down, everybody, quiet down. But it's like, it, it, you, this is not. Uh, so you perceived it as satire, as like he, they're trying to sort of say that like people follow football with the same fervor they did the Nazi party. This is this is <laughs> dumb Starship Troopers is the level that we're that we're talking about. So that, but there are two things. Um, oh I I didn't have time to look this up. I'm pretty sure young Jesse Plemons was in there, which is very funny because he's uh, from. Uh, Friday how Night old was he? Oh, he's he is. The joke is that um the uh he's there when some parents are talking about how they're gonna hold him back, um so that he's hold him back in eighth grade just so he's really big when he tries out for freshman year. Oh, and so it's just like a fun scene with the like they're like eighth grade's not so bad, right, son? <laughs> um. I th- I'm not 100% I'm sure. I think it was it Jesse Plemons. Yeah, l- look it up. I should. I'm saying that it's him. We should know for sure. Um, then I just wrote Jesus Christ the boner scene. So there is one major storyline that is so bad that is about their sexy teacher who turns out to dance at a strip club. Oh boy! It is grafted onto this movie and Jesse is... Plemons is in Varsity yeah, Blues. It's his second role. Hell yeah. Um, it this this stripper teacher storyline is grafted on and does not fit anything else on any side of it. And the first time we get it is a sex ed class where it is straight out of a bad American Pie ripoff, which I this came out the same year as American Pie, so I don't know. <laughs> but um, the the teen sex comedy was resurging. Um, but they have a well, scene. she's all that was number one the week after. Ooh. I know we could have done she's all done that, but I I watched this and now you have to listen to me talk about it. <laughs> um Allie Larder's character is a mess. Um she's supposed to be they want to do a thing where she's like she's supposed to be like, "Oh, Paul Walker's slut girlfriend who dumps him right after he gets injured and tries to hook up with James Vanderbeek." But then the twist is she's like she's actually very smart and she Oh, I really like it's not I I this is my only chance to get out of this town. This is the way this is like the the fuck the way the tone bounces back and oh forth. But then also the movie wants to be like, yeah, dude, don't you want to fuck Ali Larder? Um, so we get the famous whipped cream scene. Oh yeah, that's also not another team movie. Oh yeah, the kind of like when I'm talking about like the the blunt satire, there's stuff like during the the whipped cream scene, her parents are not coming home. Uh, for a few hours because it is quote half price night at the gun club. Oh, That's the kind of God, <laughs> Jesus. Oh, um, James Vanderbeek wears giant jinkos in every scene. Yeah. Um, I just wrote Paul Walker's character. I don't know what I meant by that. Entire teacher storyline. You meant his character in real life. Did you know that no. he dated underage girls? People I did not. Don't talk about that. Welcome to the slag slagging the dead. Uh, slagging the dead. Do, do I need a jingle for that? <laughs> Slagging the dead. They, they can't defend themselves. Fuck them. Bawaka like them young. That was longer than my actual thing. <laughs> uh, I've just been contacted by the Walker estate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the teacher storyline is so bad. Uh, oh, and then also the whole storyline with uh, Billy Bob, the over the really overweight guy. So oh, Sugar Daddy Bernardino from Popular. Yep, yep, and he plays the parody of his own character in not another teen movie. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's... But like that's so that storyline is set up as this thread that John Voight's character is making these players play 
to their de- physical detriment and they're being injured. So he has a bunch of concussions. And then, but then the movie wants to have a happy ending with a fo- big football game. So after setting up this whole storyline and also the fact that there's a scene where he almost kills himself because he blames himself for Paul Walker being hurt and he's like, I don't know, has CTE before we have a name for it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, We then wrap that scene up by him walking over to James Van Beek's locker and be like, hey, guess what? I got that cat thing you told me about. <laughs> a cat scan, Billy Bob? Yep. And they said, I'm all good to play. Oh, boy. And that is the end of that story. Are you sure this wasn't produced by NFL films? <laughs> um, and then, it, but like, the, it's because of this weird tunnel thing, the question is, what is James Vanderbeek's character's deal? Like, what are what is his big his big moral fight with John Voight can't be that he thinks like football should be taken less seriously. So it boils down to he wants to pass more, and John Voight want, thinks they're a running team, which is not really. <laughs> I mean, people are fascinated by football strategies in film. It's not a big ideological thing. All I know is, um. I would say out of out of wow, it's our second big football uh, retro movie after the Waterboy. Out sure. of out is of is it our, better than retro uh, than Waterboy? Well, I'll say this: out of the retro movies we've watched, I found this one definitely the most fascinating for any number of reasons. Watching um, uh, uh, the racial stuff on play. Uh, first off, all the characters are white except for one black character. He is there. He is the only one of the main friends who, boy, did I not catch his name because he barely has any dialogue except for the scene where he reveals that John Voight is racist. Um, That's his role. It's like, oh, yeah, if you didn't think the one black character's entire uh, uh, character arc had to do with him dealing with racists, you're wrong. (laughs) Um, uh, it's, It's just it's I would say it was very interesting to watch. And it's also one of those movies like, here's my segue to Glass. Uh, it's a movie that introduces a character that it tells us is a teenager and, and then sexualizes her quite a bit in a way that made me very uncomfortable. Oh, like boy. the cheerleaders at the beginning of Glass, only in this movie it was naked girls in a cop car who were then told are sophomores, which made me and the me on my couch go, oh God, they are 15 or 16. Oh, <laughs> well, John, you... Did not make me wish I'd seen this movie, but I sure (laughs) am surprised about its content. All right, we'll be back in a bit with Glass. Perfect movie. Comic books. (laughs) They are pictures on paper with text on them. I don't know. You. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, John. Did you hear that a brand new skyscraper is opening in downtown Philadelphia? What? We've got to go. I mean, we have to because everyone in the town that we live in is going to be there, including the press from around the world. Well, why wouldn't they? The tallest skyscraper in Philadelphia? I just hope that three people with insane super abilities are not going to be there fighting. Yeah. Well, that's probably not going to happen because we watch Glass. Break. Hey, podcast listeners, if you thought we were actually going to that tower, then you're stupid. And M. Night Shyamalan's here to explain why you're dumb and he's super duper smart. We watched Glass. (laughs) And now we're going to talk about Glass.
Oh, boy. Oh, Veronica, give us a description of the amazing plot of Glass. Well, Glass is a movie that was shot in three locations. Uh, One of them is the backseat of a van. (laughs) Yeah, it was uh, it was it's a movie that stars like six actors and no more. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, but the plot is, is that Bruce Willis's character from uh, Unbreakable uh, is out there still solving somewhat like not big crimes, but crimes or at least thwarting, thwarting crimes or avenging crimes. What is the crime he stops at the beginning? Uh, Uh, yeah, someone like two some bros are hitting homeless people. Was that? The it's idea? like two bros are trying to do YouTube prank videos, and wh- which was at that point you turned to me and you're like, "Is this a period piece?" Because oh, they were yeah. using camcorders. <laughs> <laughs> also, wasn't that like a big thing that like on Fox News everyone was scared about in Philadelphia that teens were running up and socking people? Wasn't that like a thing like five years ago? <laughs> oh, maybe I don't know. I don't watch Fox News, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Bruce Willis is out there protecting Philadelphia. Uh, in the meantime, you know what? James McAvoy's character from Split is also out there kidnapping uh, cheerleaders. So Bruce Willis uh, is attempting to rescue the the cheerleaders with the help of intel gathered by his now adult son, who is played by the same actor as Unbreakable. Um, and... Uh, as he successfully rescues the um, the cheerleaders, he encounters uh, James McAvoy uh, in the beast alter ego of uh, the split split personality dude. And uh, as they have at it, they are uh, cornered, surrounded by uh, Sarah Paulson's uh, shrink. Uh, who's like whose specialty is convincing people who think that they have special abilities that they don't. Uh, she, with the help of uh, Philly's finest, can find them to a mental institution <laughs> where two hours of the movie continue <laughs> of them of her trying to convince them that they're not special, even though we clearly definitely know that they do have special abilities. We then. <laughs> Like an hour into the movie, encounter the title character of this movie, which is Sam Jackson's character Glass from the same Unbreakable movie. And then eight hours later, he has his first line of dialogue. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and eventually, after I think basically not a lot of character development, they break out and they keep hinting on a big showdown at the aforementioned Philadelphia's tallest tower. Was it the Osaka Tower? The Osaka Tower, I believe is the name. Um, So they keep hinting on a big showdown between Bruce Willis and James McAvoy, which has to happen at that tower because all the cameras of the world are going to be pointing at the opening of this building in Philadelphia. And that's where the world is going to see that they have special powers, but they never make it outside the parking lot of the institution. Uh, They have it out in a series of scenes that were shot with not all the actors present at the same time. And um, I guess to spoil things, Bruce Willis dies, James McAvoy dies, 
Sam Jackson Bruce Willis doesn't just die. He he is drowned in a puddle in a two inch deep puddle yeah, of mud. The unbreakable man <laughs> is being dunked inside a puddle of mud. Uh yeah, Sam Jackson dies. Uh we then find out that Sam Jackson's plan was to never take them to the tower, even though that's what he keeps advocating. What? But I, an ignorant film goer, <laughs> am so shocked. Because little did you know that he actually did full-on wrote code. <laughs> In like five minutes, he deployed a program that screen grabbed the footage from all the cameras, conveniently capturing the action in the parking lot and uh, sending it to his octogenarian mother to... She has to be so old at this point. <laughs> I know, but like she is the one who he has tasked with dispersing this amazing revelation of superhumans existing as opposed to, let's say, Twitch. I feel like it would be way easier to just set up a Twitch account and stream a bunch of cameras. Uh, and so she, as the mother of the man who killed the other two heroes, sits at a train station together with Bruce Willis's son. And inexplicably, I think, the girl that James McAvoy kidnapped in the first movie, who is yeah, now in love with him. She's in love with him. It, it just, anyway, they that all, is the least objectionable thing that happened. We'll start. That's, oh boy, that's the least dumb. I, I had some objections to that, but yeah. <laughs> so they are happily sitting together at another Philadelphia landmark, Union Station, <laughs> holding hands. Beautiful train station, by the way. I mean, the it's, ceiling is great. It's a, it's the pearl of Philly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. So I guess the world now knows that there are superheroes. Well, presumably five minutes after the movie ends, the world sees this YouTube video of blurry security camera footage <laughs> of men kind of fighting and goes, huh, cool, a special effects demo, I don't give a shit, and goes back to their day. Oh, I also forgot to mention that, like we learned in the Unbreakable twist, that Sam Jackson was responsible for the train crash mm -hmm. that... Uh, led, like, led to Bruce Willis being the sole survivor in that same train crash. Would you believe uh, sad also James McAvoy's dad, who was the only one who knew how to take care of his uh, very troubled son. And he, in fact, not only he, by, by that I mean Glass, not only created Bruce Willis's superhero, but also, I guess in a roundabout way, I'm putting my hand over my head, created <laughs> James McAvoy. The moral of the story is blow up trains. Just yeah, fucking blow them up. Yeah, you never know what superheroes you might discover. But I, I, just want, I just want to do something. You know, so for all the five people who I guess like this movie, um, <laughs> I, you're out there right now and you're sitting here. Um, wow, the, the Venn diagram of the tiny amount of people who... Like this movie and the tiny amount of people who listen to our podcast. <laughs> but uh, they're sitting there listening to this and they're going, but but John and Veronica, you just don't get it. You see, M. Night was subverting expectations and you've been foonsped by Marvel movies. You mean to spoon fed? What did I say? Foonsped? Foonsped? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I like Foonsped. You've been Foonsped by your Varmel movies <laughs> um, <laughs> to expect these big climaxes. But M. Night showing isn't giving you what you want. He's giving you what you need because he's so smart. And that's why he wrote an evil film critic character into Lady in the Water because he's smarter than all the critics. But also, like, this movie makes it seem like M. Night Shyamalan has never read a comic book. Oh, you mean a limited edition? uh, Yeah, like, he uses terms that, like, no one who knows anything about comics would use. M. Night is... M. Night is too much of a genius to do five minutes of research on actual comic book terms. So characters <laughs> will yell out. There's one scene where um, Bruce Willis's son. And I, I want to say one thing I, li- I liked about this movie. Uh, Bruce Willis, they got the same kid who played Bruce Willis's son. And yeah. he looks thrilled to be there. And um, he's given a hell of a lot more performance than Bruce Willis is. <laughs> the, the, uh, the statue they got to play Bruce Willis in this movie. The, the rock of emotionless uh yeah bruce willis had more emotion on his lego face and bruce LEGO. willis gave a much better performance in his four line cameo in the lego movie too than he did in this for sure but like um uh uh so there's a part where that kid yells out oh you know like in limited editions how it always has to do with the villain's parents first off what the fuck's a limited edition <laughs> Second of all, no, it doesn't. No, it that is not a trope. That's not a thing in comic books where all comic book villains' motivations have to do with their parents. Maybe you could make an argument for superhero heroes have a lot of stuff to do with their parents, but it's just he is talking about. But also, about- like the idea of like all limited edition superhero <laughs> climaxes having. Like- Let's be honest. He wants to say crossover. He doesn't know the term crossover (laughs) and he wants to say it, but he didn't do five minutes of research because I'm pretty sure at this point, just you, if M. Night, this is my second time I'm referencing this podcast. M. Night is Donald Trump. If you tell him (laughs) that, oh, I'm sorry, M. Night, you got that fact wrong or M. Night, I think that scene's not working. He will say, oh, no, you just don't get it. Here's the reality we're living in right now. They're called limited editions. And also, I'm gonna okay. So <laughs> if, if we keep talking about this movie, I'm gonna shit on on M Night a lot. And I uh, uh, I think he has some immense talents. I think they are limited. And I think he his biggest flaws are an inability to take criticism and an inability to take advice from people and learn from mistakes because he is so overconfident in his own talents. Um, I think his talents are like the sixth sense is an amazing film. Mm-hmm. And then the unbreakable. I rewatched the scene where Bruce Willis is told that, um, you know, uh, why are you looking at me like that? Because you're the only one who survived the train crash and you don't have a scratch on. That's a great fucking scene. There's a reason the trailer for that movie was basically just that scene. Cause it's fucking great. Uh, Signs has a lot of good parts. The monsters in the village are super spooky. I like the village. The thing is, he is very good at, he has a very odd uh, filmmaking style where he really loves to shoot stuff by kind of obfuscating the focus of the scene or shooting it like through something or like weirdly framing it off frame and kind of hiding the thing you want to see. That is great for low budget horror. That is the ideal skill 
for horror movies where you cannot afford to have like a big monster. That's why it's fucking great in signs where you only see like that that first shot blurry home home video footage of the alien signs. That's great. That shot where it pans over to whatever Culkin is in that movie and the little <laughs> green hands on his shoulder. That's scary as shit. Uh, the Sixth Sense is an amazing movie. Things that M. Night is bad at, though. Humans. Human beings in every way. Um, I joke that uh, the title character of this movie doesn't talk for eight hours into the movie. This movie, by the way, is 43 hours long. Um, it is not, but it is one of the most boring movies I've ever watched. Um, his dialogue is so dull and inhuman. So he's trying to subvert. Oh, yeah. There was also like the scene where he just like doesn't know how people talk at all. Because there's like the other scene where someone describes Comic-Con <laughs> as being for teen shows. What is that? What is a teen show? Yeah. Riverdale? But, I, what? but also, what what do you mean by that? Like. I like in the context of the scene. What do, what does the character what is the character trying to say when she describes Comic Con as being for teen shows? I. They, so here's the thing. I if you told me uh, uh, if you gave me a paragraph description of the plot of this movie before I saw it as the sequel to to Unbreak. I did. I'll admit I didn't see Split. Um, I looked it up before this came. It is not streaming anywhere. I would have had to buy it for eight ninety nine. <laughs> Sorry, no. Um, <laughs> uh, I really like Anna Taylor Joy. That's her name, right? From The Witch. Right. Uh, I I like James McAvoy. Fine. I wasn't gonna pay to <laughs> pay to own Split. Um, but uh, but so the, the plot. Okay, so if there's just a description spot. Okay, so we're bringing this this. It's now trilogy to a close. This kind of superheroes in the real world movie. And the plot of this is the three main characters from this trilogy are going to end up in an asylum where people are trying to prove to them that they're actually mentally ill and they don't have superpowers. Um, but then it turns out those people are actually this kind of unbreakable universe version of an evil like shield type organization oh, yeah sorry i forgot to mention that who cares um <laughs> you know that but that we're doing our version of that trope of this government agency that's trying to hide superheroes i would have been like oh that's fun and then if you had even told me at the end that the end is all the heroes you know quote unquote heroes uh one's a mass murderer the other is a uh a serial killer right <laughs> um uh, if you had told me that, oh yeah, then they break out and it seems that they, it seems that they lose, they all get killed. I would have gone, oh, how surprising. But then it seems like they've lost. But then just when you think they've lost, it reveals that, um, Mr. Glass's master plan was actually to film them and show it to everyone else, uh, revealing the existence of superheroes. And it was a suicide mission all along. I would have gone, Hey, that sounds like a fine plot. That sounds like a that sounds like a genuinely great way to end this trilogy. Because the whole the big theme is here are superheroes in a real world context. Do they exist? Do they not? That's the theme of the first one. Problem is, first, like you mentioned, the entire second act of this movie, so much of this movie is predicated on the question of whether or not. These people are really superheroes. 
And we have watched at that point two movies and the first <laughs> act of this movie where these characters repeatedly do superhero things. So that tension does not exist because we fucking know they're superheroes. But there is a way to do it. First, in the fight between Bruce Willis and James McAvoy in the opening scene, we should not have seen it. You love doing that thing where we don't really see what's happening? Just show us the cheerleader's perspective the entire time. And then reveal to us that, like, no. Like, don't show us James McAvoy crawling on the fucking ceiling right. and then tell us he doesn't have superpowers. The... If he doesn't have superpowers, he's possessed by the exorcist demon. Or like another uh, another way of doing it is like make the movie more about Sarah Paulson's character and about like the sort of the conflict between trying, you know, to cure thinking you're curing people out of their, you know, delusions while being confronted with the fact that yes they might actually be yeah. real superhuman people and like what does that do to your world view because presumably but anyway. if she had in any way genuinely she needed to convince in the movie she very half-heartedly very easily somehow convinces Bruce Willis, who's been a superhero for 20 years, that he's not a superhero. Oh, that scene is it, also oh like 20 minutes long of just her repeating in different ways like, oh, well, you're not really a superhero. Conceivably, also like this, whatever thing could have led you to believe this. But we, as again, as you mentioned, know that that's not what happened. So like, what is the point of that whole 20 minute just scene? I think, so we know, this is a new movie. If she had just directly contradicted things that happened in the first in the first uh, two movies, I'd be like, no, that's what you think you saw. That didn't happen. And then also, if we had not seen, again, them do superhero shit in the beginning of this movie, but instead only seen it like through the eyes of the cheerleader, and then she had shown maybe video clips and been like, look, you're not doing anything super You're heroic. You're just slapping each yeah. other. <laughs> or, and then also, like, she mentions, they have, like, a five-minute conversation about metal bars. Because both, I think, Bruce Willis in Unbreakable and James McAvoy in Split have bent metal bars. And they, she goes, yeah, well, actually, like, you didn't. And he's like, but I did. But actually, like, you didn't? Yeah, but I think I did. Well, actually, the thing is, like, you didn't. And this scene <laughs> goes on forever. And how about this? Bring out a metal bar. Give a metal bar to Bruce Willis. Give a metal bar to James McAvoy and say, hey, bend this. And then we watch them not be able to do it. Both they and the audience would be like, oh, wow. Is he going a direction that like the first two movies were kind of just in their heads? And mm -hmm. we would have been confused. And then when we have the reveal that she's actually from an ultra well-funded secret government uh, government organization, it could have been like, oh, yeah, that was made out of fucking Wolverine metal or something. That's why you, like it, you could have revealed it anyway. Just right. do something to try to convince us, the audience, that maybe that thing that we know is true isn't true. If you're going to spend an entire middle of your movie on it not being true. Right. Yeah, it's just it was so confoundingly boring just so like boring. and as i mentioned before like this is such a cheap movie like <laughs> these actors probably shared 
Like, they were in the same room just for that scene. I don't even believe they were in the same parking lot at the same time. Oh, he really liked out that the costume he gave Bruce Willis in The Unbreakable <laughs> is a parka with a hood that covers Bruce Willis's face. Right. And it's just, like, there's barely any action in this movie for, like, and there's not a whole lot as we, I mean, as we've harped on this over and over again, there's not a lot of, like, cerebral stuff to challenge you. There's no exciting action to rivet you and like instead of that. So you're just like watching these boring scenes slog towards a climax that never happens really. Like it's that like parking lot scene which is so so limp and like lacking in energy. Yeah. It was like that scene was you're supposed to be excited or intrigued by I don't know, these like super men fight each other and it just looks ridiculous. It just like James McAvoy, like running on all fours and like it, it just looks so silly and weird and like not menacing or intimidating in any way. It's if just- they had taken all the money from that initial action scene and used it all for the parking lot scene, not only would it that you could have done men at more stuff there, it would have made sense thematically. That's supposed to be the triumphant scene where it's like, oh yeah, these are definitely real superheroes. And that would have been good. Like another thing, I don't think, I think the son's character's name is Daniel. He shouldn't have been working with his father. Like I think at the beginning, we should instead reveal that uh, Bruce Willis's character has pushed everyone away with his weird obsession with the fact that he's now a superhero. If mm-hmm. we had met Daniel now as adult, the one who as a kid was the one who really believed that his father's superhero. And he's instead like, no, my dad's crazy. Right. Like we need these things to put us in the place as audience members that we are fooled so that we get. There is a scene where. um uh, Elijah, uh, uh, Mr. Glass, Samuel Jackson, is on a PA. Uh, Bruce Willis is locked up in a cell. And he's like, you can break the door. Do it. You can break the door. Do it. And Bruce Willis is like, I can't. Ah, fuck it, I'll do it. And then he breaks the door. And, oh, like, you think about how, M, like, the M. Night of Unbreakable or um, of the original Unbreakable would have shot that. That should have been the classic weightlifting scene from the first one right where um where finally he starts to be like brought over into believing that he's a superhero and then his he's lifting weights and his he keeps telling his son put another weight on more more mm-hmm. and his son's so excited and he's so excited and it's slowly paced and it has a brilliant build it's so well edited and structured it's a wonderful scene Mm-hmm. That the door right here should have been that scene, but it only gets to be that scene if both Bruce Willis and the audience have believably been put into a place where we are doubting that he has superpowers. So then when he brings them out, we are excited again. And then we can get this stupid subversion twist at the end. Like, first off, if you want us to be psyched that Elijah's plan, like his secret plan was to get it on TV, don't make his original plan also to get it on TV. What is the fucking twist? No, right. his plan should have just been, oh, we're going to go attack attack the mayor or fucking some shit, and that's how we'll show how powerful we are. And then, aha, this guy who was a mass murderer actually did have this kind of, I don't want to call it altruistic, but some kind, like, 
in his own crazy way. His goal was to prove the superheroes were real, which was his goal in the first one. I, if I sound, I don't know, if I sound worked up, it's because I, I, I'm more like disappointed than anything. I really loved Unbreakable. Yeah, I and I still, I still do. More importantly, yeah, I, I haven't rewatched it, but I do remember really liking it. I mean, I've rewatched it in the past. I haven't rewatched mm-hmm. it for this, but um, yeah, it's just. It also seems like if you're the twist in your plan is that, oh, you just wanted to get it on TV. That's just like not an exciting twist. He murdered multiple security guards at the at the insane asylum. Hey, did any of them have a cell phone? If you just wanted to get a fucking blurry YouTube video, use that. Right. Why did you have to go on a suicide mission? You dumb fuck. Who's also a super genius. I mean, <laughs> this movie is a. This movie isn't like filmmaking wise the worst movie we've watched for this podcast, mm. but it's easily one of the most boring. And then also more than any other movie we've seen, this movie seems to think you, the audience member, is stupid, and it's here to teach you. And that's what makes it just more unpleasant than a lot of the other movies we've watched. I, I right. found this. I really didn't like watching this movie. Yeah. It's also just like, yeah. And like every conceit in this movie could fall apart if you like ask one question. (laughs) So like they, James McAvoy's character is being kept in in his room (laughs) with the help of these security flashlights. So... You know, like as there are lights that flash. It's not just like a security guard holding a flashlight. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I guess yeah, that's what I meant. But it's like yeah, if someone on a film set would yell "striking," that's what would happen. You know, just like a bunch of lights would go out. So, okay. So whenever that happens, he switches personalities, uh, which I guess is supposed to make him less aggressive. But like, can he not close his eyes? Can he not walk backwards? Like what? I mean, why that device? Like, I mean, I'm, what is this? I'm fine with the organization having a, a, a wacky machine that makes that thing happen because it has to happen. But I think the thing is similar to what I was saying about the uh, the medic seat of the Lego Movie is that it's not that this is a, a, a it's not that this wouldn't work in any movie. It's that. This is something that that seems silly and stands out if the rest of the movie isn't working. Mm-hmm. So you're not you are not engaged with the story in any way. So yeah, you are sitting there being like, why don't they just put Bruce Willis in a pool instead of putting him exactly in another a one? Yeah, big fucking stupid like sprinkler system. And it's like again, if we cared about the characters or the story of this movie, we wouldn't be asking these questions. But we are in that insane asylum for so long, just bored. Yeah, but also just Bruce Willis dying because he's dunked in a pool by <laughs> a character like we don't. Even, it's like some SWAT dude, so it doesn't even just with a cool clover tattoo. But it's like okay, I guess like couldn't. Couldn't have James McAvoy killed him? I feel like it's such a, it's such a bore. Maybe that is supposed to like underline how mm. futile the whole thing was. I don't know, but just like him dying in the hands of like rando dude being dunked in a puddle, it's just yeah, it's so bad. Academically, 
you can see what this movie's going for. But the thing is, you can't subvert expectations if you don't get people to genuinely care about those expectations to begin with. Like I was joking around when we started talking about this, about about the tower. But like if I sat here on this podcast and said, hey, listener, I'm going to give each of you a billion dollars. Just kidding, you fucking idiot. I'm not. That doesn't mean anything because you didn't believe I'm going to do it. <laughs> like when you subvert my expectations of going to a soccer tower, that doesn't matter because I don't give a shit about going to a soccer tower. Well, that's the thing. Like it's. That is almost a genius move of him. Just like <laughs> they keep mentioning this Osaka Tower every fifteen minutes. It's the one minutes. thing we were enjoying. It was, and you at one point you turned to me and you were like, "I would love if they never went there." And I was like, "There's just no way they're not going there." But they genuinely never went there. And I was like, "Okay, this was so weird. Why?" He, I mean, like he really thinks that we're gonna. That we, I think he thinks so little of the like superhero movie audience that we are going to hear Osaka Tower and we're going to go, oh, goody, goody, yay, like the Avengers had a tall building too. I love superheroes. Daddy M. Night, gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> oh no, he's given me a lesson. <laughs> I have, I have been taught. Thank you, Daddy M. Night. I am a better film goer now. Thank you. Thank you. Those critics were unfair about your earlier movies. You are a genius. You are a genius. You are a genius. The Last Airbender was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like we've shot on this movie long enough. John, as we ask about every movie, why do you think America went to see this four weekends in a row? I believe this was number one. Wait, really? Yeah, until the Lego movie. This I was going to say nothing else was out. Now I just have no fucking idea. That's truly baffling. I, th I thought the trailers looked stupid. Um, I don't know if people fuck it. Because people love America's sweetheart, uh, Sarah Paulson. Oh, of course. I don't the... know why I chose Sarah Paulson. I out of that crew, she's the one who's done the most work recently that I'm excited about. Yeah. I actually really do love Sarah Paulson. No, she's great. <laughs> she should not be in this movie. Well, I guess maybe she just wants to be in movies now. Oh, no. Yeah. Good good for her. Sarah Paulson get work. I mean, I I, I would wager that working with M. Night, uh, M. Night Shyamalan is uh, similar to working with uh, Ryan Murphy. So... <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Um, so, uh, looking forward, uh, in two weeks, the movies. Oh, the only movie in nationwide release is How to Train Your Dragon 3. Oh, that's. <laughs> I'm, I we know, are I, super excited. Have you watched the other two? I hear they're I great. Saw, I saw the first one and I really did enjoy it. I, I did mean, not people see love the them. I one. just haven't seen the other ones. It's, ah, shit, am I going to have to fucking. See? Apparently, the new one is pretty good. It's been playing it's, in I, Australia. I bet it's going to be good. I mean, it's definitely going to be number one. I mean, I, I guess I should at least see the first one. Guys, uh, I are don't you have sure fucking time. Alita Battle Angel with the <laughs> crazy eyes is not going to carry another weekend? Uh, um, I mean, people do love Christoph Waltz. Yeah, he's the man attraction. How do you that? feel? I, I just want to talk about, like, how do you feel being like that actress? You have this huge movie and they've erased half your head. I Yeah, I don't know. It's like the whole movie looks very strange. And they do the trailers do really fixate on her eyes and it's kind of well, I think they they decided they need to get audiences okay with it because <laughs> it's 
it's odd. It's it very odd. It is super odd. shocking and odd. And I, I assume it's supposed to imitate sort of manga, anime it, it style. Is, but they only did it with her. <laughs> yeah, that was another. Is is that explained in the movie? Why she has the weird eyes? And well, no I haven't else? seen it yet. Would, it's not out yet. <laughs> I would love, would have loved to see Christoph Waltz with those crazy eyes. <laughs> well, he already did Big Eyes, the movie. <laughs> is that what it was about? Is yes. that his nickname, Big yes. Eyes? Big Eyes was actually about the uh, the writing of the the manga uh, Alita Battle Angel. Oh wow, this is this is going back. Um, um, wait, so that's so really our only option is going to be How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, well, unless Run the Race and Total Damal, which are two limited release movies. Tune in two weeks from now when we watch How to Train Your Dragons 3, The Secret World, or what? what is its fucking subtitle? I believe it is The Secret World. Or Guys, something. there are a lot of posters at my uh, closest subway stop at home. I see them a lot. There's a lot of fire on that poster. Well, there be dragons. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, I suppose happy death day to you, or isn't it romantic? Also you coming see... out this weekend. Oh, could... now that I would be happy to see either of those movies. Yeah, I, I, I would be down to if see If one that. of those is the number one this weekend, can we just change our schedule? I suppose. Um, there I, are no rules to this program. <laughs> I mean, happy death day. I didn't like it. I, I, it had been overhyped. I only saw it a, f- a couple months ago and people have been like, it's so surprisingly good. And since I wasn't surprised, I thought I was like, this is fine. Um, I thought the lead performance was, I thought she was wonderful. Um, that seems to be the, She carries a lot of the movie. That seems to be the consensus about the new one, too, about mm. her being very good at it. Well, I like the idea that they're just dropping the slasher elements, because really, I mean, the first one, it was a PG-13 movie. It was it certainly wasn't scary, and the... And they didn't take the comedy far enough because there were times when the, I felt they didn't take the comedy far enough because there were times that they were still trying to be scary. So I like the idea that they seem to be going full sci-fi comedy now mm. um, with, I guess, parallel dimensions and stuff. But um, and isn't it romantic? I'd be down to see it. I, 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 I'm I'm an easy lay for those uh, those meta things. And then also uh, uh, the very funny Brandon Scott Jones um, Yay, he's uh, in is it. on it. Uh, uh, what was he in that I saw recently? Oh, he was the in the Mega, other two. Melissa McCarthy movie. Oh, oh was he yeah. on the other two, too? Yeah, he wasn't. The other two, too? The other two, too. The other Desmond, too, too. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make a ballet joke, but this is as good. Uh, all right. We've now talked about four movies on this podcast. I think it's we've given our listener more than their bang for their buck. Guys, don't see glass. <laughs> Go see the Lego movie too. It's it's struggling and Yeah, it's it, really struggling with like thirty-six million in the box well, office. It probably cost uh, eight bazillion dollars. And um Legos are cheap. Go see watch Varsity Blues. I'm telling you, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting watch in twenty nineteen. I ooh, I saw the Hunt for the Wilder people. Oh, I still haven't seen that. Oh my god, that movie is so good. I mm. cried. Five stars. I finally saw Roma. Oh, did you cry? Five stars. I didn't cry, but I think it might be my uh, my favorite movie of 2018. Ooh. Uh, if, I, if I had if I had seen it before our top ten episode, it would have definitely been in the top three. Whoa. Possibly number one. It's my number two, as we mm. all recall. 
All we, right. all, we all remember. We all remember. I don't even remember what I said my number two was. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember what you said your number one I'm trying was. to remember as well. I Did I I did I say it was Death Death of Stalin? Yes, you did. Okay. Did I say Support the Girls was number two? Maybe. Yeah. I I love Support the Girls and I love Roma. I, I guess I just want to watch movies about um, uh, uh, women. <laughs> women doing uh soul crushing jobs oh boy <laughs> uh yeah Roma is super good so is which the is for the what glass people. is because glass is a movie about a therapist who just doesn't get doesn't get a good shake for, she- <laughs> and when she has, tries to have meetings with her employer she has to sit in a restaurant and wait for all the customers leave well no she doesn't even wait for them to leave she just stands up and she's like there has been a breach <laughs> And all the extras are acting, <laughs> trying um, to pretend to be serious. Yeah. Anyway, if you blacked out for the last 40 <laughs> minutes, Glass is perfect, and we loved it. And that's our episode. Everything is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> toot, toot. Toot, toot.